And you're very welcome to Wade in after a brilliant and slightly controversial weekend of racing on and off the track. I think it's fair to say plenty of highlights, plenty of... Well, I tell you, highlights for me, the short price treble came in. Kevin Blake, I don't like to brag about these things. It's a Tony Calvin nightmare that my short price treble came in at the weekend. He's not going to sleep the entire month because I won my bet. But what do you think, Kev? And be honest now. Sure, look at broken clocks and all that. Well done. Broken clocks. Broken clocks. <laughs> First time it's ever been done on the treble on, on, on Racing Only Better and I came in, lads. I'll never do it again, but sure, look, you know. Nick Lightfoot, is that your kind of better short price treble or are you more Tony Calvin looking for value uh, with these long odds and uh, jackpot? What, what's your view on these things? Uh, I can say what I want now. I'm on the last show. Tony's coming back next week. So uh, I'd probably go more down the Calvin route. If it's a short price football treble, that's a little bit different. But I don't think I've yeah. ever had a short price treble coming in the racing. Yeah, well, there you go, lads. There you go. It's up there for dancing. Anyway, look, we look back on the weekend, as I said, on and off the course as well. And with loads of listener questions as well. Thank you all for responding, uh, as you always do. And we'll get to those at the end of the show. Uh, Kev, I guess we should start with Native Trail because uh, I love this horse. I love what he did at the Curra. He backed it up at the weekend. He's 7-2 to two now for the 2000 Guineas. If you're so inclined to take 7-2, to two, uh, 14 years out from when the race is actually going to take place. But just on the performance itself, Kev, um, what did you like about him? Um, it, it was similar in some ways to the Curra, Hugh. Um, like, he, he would have given you a fright or two. He comes off the bride lairdy mm. enough. He doesn't travel all that well. Um, in contrast to the Curra, he had a bit of traffic to deal with um, at Newmarket. It, it briefly looked like, I'd say, if William Buick had persevered looking for that rail, it could have got very messy, but he kind of cut his losses and, and came around Dubawi legend. Um, but as was the case at the Curra, he was very strong, final furlong. And, and look, some people, it, it comes down to personal preference, Hugh, and we had a beautiful contrast that we'll talk about in Coribus, just in terms of type of horse, the way they do it, because they're complete and utter opposites. Okay. And this fella is always behind the bridle. He's very strong late on. Look, he'll certainly get further. Um, it'll be fascinating to see as he goes up and trip and like you say we'll have to wait a while before we see it but it'll be fascinating to see if he does travel a bit better when he goes up and trip um, or will he always just be kind of a behind the bridle bare minimum sort of animal um, but but he is very likeable uh, very different type to Corbus. Um he's definitely going to stay a mile and would have a great chance of staying you know 10 furlongs you'd say um, and yeah look he's, he's consolidated his position at the top of the Guineas market and um, yeah, it was it was fun to watch, fun race to watch, and a very good horse. Yeah. So okay, we'll come back. I'll come back to one of your comments in just a second. But Nick, just your your overall impression of Native Trail as a horse um, and what he did at the weekend. You know, I guess I I, I kind of hang around with like minded souls, Nick. So I had three or four lads also on the treble waiting for that. And there was <laughs> there was there was a nervy moment. Um, I, I guess maybe about a furlong and a half out. Is he actually gonna Is he actually gonna get up there? But he did. But what's your impression of, of this horse? How, how do you find him? I mean, I can see why he had the nervy moment, but um, I think it's, it's it's almost weird. It's a bit sort of perverse to say it in a way for a horse that's now a dual group one winner from four starts. It, he's got so much raw potential still at times and figures can tell you so much, but you still got to go with your own personal gut feeling. And to my eye, I think we've got something that is the workings of something quite brilliant. Um, 
I mean, within the space of half an hour, again, it's it's almost hard to talk about native trail on Saturday and not bring in Coribus in the same sentence. Because okay, well, do do that, do that because we're going to move on. So let, let's let's just throw them in there. So go on. Well, we're going to compare my, my personal view is if one had run in the other race, if you see what I mean, they'd have what the result would have been the same. I think Coribus would have won the Dewhurst, and I think this fellow would have won the Autumn Stakes. Um, it's really interesting listening to the the, the camp talk about it, Charlie Appleby and William Buett, because understandably then you know they're at the beginning of something quite special with it with the pair of them it would sound as so and and mm. it, it is the way that the two of them they don't work at home or they don't cross paths at home i know that charlie appleby's very very sweet on coribus but um coribus almost had something to prove in a way because he is most famous or was most famous the other day for going in into that race off the back of an unbelievable defeat where he drew plaudits and loads and loads of sort of glitz and glamour as it were with the the sentences going his way for the fact that he got beaten. Um, but if they've opened doors to, to, to go forward, the pair of them, I'm personally of the view that Native Trail will become the better horse. He's so easy to say now because he's a dual group one winner and the other one's won a, won a group three, which, by the way, that autumn stakes is getting better and better. Gayath won it. And then if you look in 2018, Persian King beat Magna Grisha and Circus Maximus. So it's a proper race. Um, mm. They've both got style and substance. I think going forward, they're completely different types of horses. And Kev had it right again about Native Trail behind the bridle, which leads me to think that we are, we're just scratching the surface with Native Trail. I think he, he, has, he has everything you'd want to be a superstar. Um, and he's unlike Charlie Appleby won it two years ago with Pinatubo. But Pinatubo, I know he went on to be a good horse at three, but I feel like this horse is just at the beginning of something. Whereas Pinatubo, who had that monster rating, was was already mm. plateauing, was peaking at a brilliant level. Whereas I think Native Trail is just on the first step of, of what's likely to be a massive, massive ladder he's going to go up. Okay, so Kev, go back to your one of your uh, early comments about the comparison between what, to your eye, is the difference between Coribus and Native Trail? Uh, they're, they're complete opposites. They're complete opposites. With Corbus, you hover your finger over the button and he's gone. <laughs> you know, he quickens mm. up and he's gone. He, he over-responds, if anything, um, which we saw in the in the Royal Lodge where he caught William Buick out and ended up, you know, quickening clear far too early. And he probably caught him out again here, you know, despite Willem, you know, doing his very best to wrap him up and take his time. Um, when he hovered the finger over the button, Corbus was away and gone and probably got there sooner than Willem wanted. Whereas with, with Native Trail, it's like uh, it's like the remote control when the battery's running a bit low, you're mashing the buttons like, come on, come on! I want to watch Squid Game or whatever the hell you're watching. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the response is much slower coming. Uh, so it's just, it's just different types. Um, like if Corbus had been in the Jewhurst, if you'd swapped them around, um, Corbus would have won the Jewhurst. I've, I've very little doubt about that. And, and Native Trail, uh, even carrying a Group 1 penalty, probably would have won the Autumn Stakes in good style would, yeah. as well. Um, so they're, they're very interesting horses, a very interesting contrast. Um, like, look, going forward, you, you have to consider their, their physical makeups as, makeups as well. And just one thing I'd say about Native Trail, you know, uh, much was made about his weight. You know, I think he's 540 kilos, something like that. Like, he's a, he's a heavy topped horse, um, which isn't unusual for an Oasis stream. And that that can just lead to issues um like there's there's an old saying that's kind of as old as the hills you know big horse big problem and mm. you you just 
that that's just one tiny note. And there's no reason to suspect that they will have problems bar that kind of physical makeup. You know, I think they've had a pretty clear run with them all along so far. But it's just if if you're talking about taking long range prices, it's just something to to bear in mind. And and if you had to pin me down to one as a two thousand guineas prospect right now, um, at the prices, I'd be with Corbus for sure. What do you buy? Well, I just think a mile at Newmarket will be will be just ideal for him. Do you think he has a better turn of foot over the shorter distance and and and, and native trail? Definitely. more of a con. You're right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's more push button. He he does it easier. And look, the mile can can be a leveler. You know, he may well have a better turn of foot, but native trail might be a better horse over a mile. If you know what I mean, they've they've different sets of attributes. But given the choice, if it, all, everything else being equal. Um, which we don't know it is, but given the choice of, of attributes for a Guinea's horse, I'd rather Corbus's set of attributes than Native Trail. Would you agree with that, Nick? Well, I don't. I don't know. I necessarily do. Um, and also, by the way, with the prices for a horse that's won two Group Ones and the the other horse that's won the the Group Three, there's not actually that much between them. For a listen, we're talking about the first of first weekend of May, so it's a long way away. But I, I'd go back to that that win in the superlative stakes, which was a messy race, wasn't a blistering time at all, over seven furlongs. And Native Trail won it, which. I mean, time has told, yeah, he's won two group ones since, but in a way, given the way that he's such a baby in his races, I'd almost argue he wasn't entitled to win it on the day, but he still did. He learned on the day massively in the race in the Curra, and you could argue that the way that he finished, having hit that mid-race mid slight problem at Newmarket on Saturday, the education's there, and I think when he learns to race that much more economically and learns what he's doing as well, learns what he's doing in, in, in the racing circumstances, I think, he, I think he could have the ability to go and do just about whatever he wants, and yeah, he's by... So, as regards trip, uh, we should talk about that. A mile mm. should be his ways by Oasis Dream, but that's not always a hard and fast thing. I'm not necessarily talking about the damn side of his pedigree, but Oasis Dream did sign midday, so it's not impossible that he could get a bit further. But I, I they're two fantastic horses. And I mean, we talk about first world problems and Charlie Appleby, who, by the way, on Saturday, courtesy of that fantastic treble that he had, um, is now a couple of hundred grand clear in the trainers championship as well. They've got a winter to dream about, really, or, or a what lot a stable about. he has, Nick! What it's a stable Charlie Appleby amazing. has. I and mean, they're firing in winners left, right, and centre. The two-year-olds are off mm. the page. I mean, the three-year-olds Adair and Hurricane Lane are about the best, about just about, and um, yeah. I mean, it's a you know, it's it's a vision in blue at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Just very, very quickly, Nick, sorry, just in terms of what you're saying about Native Trail and the potential to be something quite special, I thought it was quite interesting reading um, Simon Rowlands there in, in recent times. Um, you know, he said that Native Trail um, at the Breeze Ups and on the race course this year, you know, he's recorded a, a very unusually long stride, um, like as in the longest he's measured in a two-year-old in a number of years. Um, right. Which is, you know, is like associated with, with, with elite performers. Yeah, so that's quite yeah. interesting. Barney Roy. Like, do you remember Barney Roy in the yeah. green? Everyone went mad about the the stride length. Yeah, no, no, that's good. That's yeah, fine. It, it, like he's got a very exuberant action to go with it. Like he does kind of lift his knees very high, which was a, like a, a little minor concern I had about him um, with a view to the dip at Newmarket. But it, it seemed to be no no great issue. But um, yeah, look, two very exciting horses, and like you say, Charlie Appleby seems to be flush at the minute, doesn't he? Yeah, before we move on to uh, another leg of my brilliant uh, treble, lads, I'm not going to keep going on a bit, as I promise you. But uh, Goldsburg, 16th for the Derby, and also Unconquerable as well, 25s. I mean, if, if Native Trail is your ideal Derby horse, would either of those interest you at those prices based on what they did at the weekend? Kev, you can start us off. 
Yeah, look, he's interesting. The Zetland kind of a, is a mixed bag, you know, historically in terms of what it produces. Um, last year's winner, um, Lone Eagle, you know, nearly beat Hurricane Lane in the Irish Derby. And you, you'd have to be impressed with Goldspur. Seemingly doesn't show a whole lot at home. Um, but was heavily, heavily backed, funny enough, um, late on for this. Um, Unconquerable is a horse that had loads and loads of experience. You know, had been behind Royal Patronage and Coribus in the, the Royal Lodge. Um, and he looked to get the trip very well. And he, he sets he sets the bar, I suppose, in terms of what level we're dealing with. And then uh, Gold Spur came up to it, despite showing signs of inexperience. So, like, looks a lovely, promising horse. Great chance of staying a mile and a half next season, you think. Um, would he be in my top three for the derby at the minute? Um, he would. Okay, Nick, before we uh, move really, on. Really quickly, three bullet points here. Goldspur, yeah, out of Pomology. Yeah. He was the Lancashire Oaks winner, I get the, you know. And obviously he played up at Epsom, but that was much more like it. Really quickly, I was with Dave Neverson on Saturday, who you guys will both know. His mum mm. in, did the ITV7, and the only leg she lost, she won the following six, which she put Unconquerable up in the first leg. Oh. I mean, how close can you get? You're joking. It's always, it's always You're joking. the first or last. It's always <laughs> oh the first or last. God. That's but just sick. anyway, anyway, fair play to her. Um, yeah, Goldspur and Hafit. I just want to say, um, while everyone else is going to be switching to the jump season, I'm going to be grabbing with my cold hands the last bit and dying embers of the flat season. Um, and both of them, Goldspur and Hafit, first and third for Godolphin, have both got entries in the 10 Furlong Group 1 Criterium de Saint Clou on the 23rd of October. Horses like Fame and Glory and Volkgeist have won that. So maybe one or, well, maybe one of them could go out there and try and be a Group 1 winner by the end of the season. All aboard for St. Cloud. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, OK, right. In, in spiral then, uh, while we're on it, Nick. I mean, 7-2 for the 1,000 guineas now. I thought she was great. Um, yeah. I'm completely biased, uh, but she was brilliant. Yeah, she was. Um, well, her mum was brilliant. Her dad was brilliant. Her mum had a quirk or two. Um, John Gosden's now talked about pre de Diam potentially next year over a mile two, but, but the guineas will be first. Um, she goes with the red hood in the paddock. The Dan wore the hood actually um, in races as of the beginning of her three-year-old year. And I think that's interesting as well because her dam actually only raced once at two and that was right at the back end. In fact, it wouldn't have happened yet. It was the end of October of her two-year-old year. So this filly is doing things that her dam didn't do. Um, listen, she I think the way that the race played out, she followed one up the centre of the track. John Gosden saying it might have been a bit like a bit of work for her. Following one, uh, Frankie did the right thing, tracking her across the speed she showed to do that. Um, she was front and centre in the Guineas market beforehand. She's hardened. She looks every inch the champion going through the winter. A lot can change. A lot can change in yeah, top three. Yeah. We all get fooled into that each and every year. Um, but I think she she looks to be the real deal. John Carson says she should get 10, a mile and a half. Not so sure, but we'll, I don't suppose we'll see it, to be honest with you. I think her, her dam was very, very good. At, a, a mile was placed in the Guineas, was placed in the Coronation. And we know what her dad did as well. So um, a word on Frankie, by the way, because we're going to talk about jockeys. Seventh yeah. win in the race, and his first win was back in 1990. Was Germany even unified then? I don't like <laughs> what? that's how long ago You're we're joking talking me. about. My that's God. amazing. My um, God. And also, sorry to go off topic, the second prosperous voyage, um, I should think we'll see her in an Oaks trial or two next year. She'll be getting a trip, and she got a bit closer to mm. Inspiral this time, maybe with the, yeah. ra- the way the race played out for Inspiral. But yep, um, I'm new market future champions weekend through Inspiral, through native trail through coribus they'll have been pretty happy with the um the rubber stamp that those horses have put on it 
100%. Right, Kev, Brave Man's Game. Um, what did Paul Nichols say to you when he went down, for people who haven't seen the video, uh, before the race at the weekend about Brave Man's Game and what he thinks of his prospects? He's sevens now, I think, for the article, tens for the marsh from 20 to 1, based on what he did last weekend. Uh, I don't know, I, I wouldn't read a huge amount into it. Like, I, I think he's a good horse. Uh, obviously, he ran into an absolute belter last year in Bob Ollinger. But what, what did Paul, what's Paul Nichols' view of this uh, horse and how highly he rates him? Oh, he's he's been very clear how how he rates him for a long time. In fairness, and he's you know all all at Nichols's were clearly very excited about the prospect of him going chasing, and like it's it's funny this. Like I watch this race like everyone else, and you you watch the the fallout on social media and such. And these days, it's just very uncool to be excited about a horse, isn't it? <laughs> Any anyone that got excited about him was getting swatted down. Like oh, it's October, calm down. Waitley meets the Irish horses, etc. Yeah, but like Paul, like Paul was very punchy with him here like he, he could have run him in 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 a much lesser race than this and let him bang around there tens on and 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 win but he's put him into an intermediate chase against you know fusil raffle raffles who you know is rated 156 over the block yeah you know you know second in the in the marsh last season you know i know braveman's game was getting weight for his trouble but um like it was a punchy thing to do because you, you people go on about you know how important uh, it is to blood these horses in slow over fences I think it's absolute rubbish myself um, and, and he, he put him in here against you know horses that were, that were very very good novices last season and he's whacked him he's whacked him good and proper um, you know albeit receiving plenty of weight but um, would you have fancied Fusil Raffles off levels here if they ran it again um, I don't think I would um, yeah. Graveman's game was very good and you, you'd have to like his jumping style you know he's clearly has okay yeah that's scope. okay so what, what did you think of his jumping style then what, what, what did you make of it oh yeah very, very little to pick at and I Loving old pickers, you know, Hugh. He, he you do. You're airy. a picky fricky, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a little, he, he was a little bit um, a little bit airy early on if you, if you wanted to be picking at him but he just clearly has loads of scope he was clever when he when he when he needed to be a teeny tiny bit right again if you're really looking for something to pick at you could maybe point to that but none of those things I would consider negatives at all really yeah um, and you'd have to be really excited about him look you it's hard to forget what happened when he went into Cheltenham and, and Bob Ollinger kicked him out of the way but yeah. you know, there's no question that chasing is this horse game you know there's nothing to say that chasing won't be Bob Ballinger's game either but it, it could be you know it could be a much closer run thing um, if and hopefully when they do meet again but I wouldn't be underselling this now I thought it was a punchy move from Paul and he got a, he got a great performance from it too and a, a, certainly a really exciting starting point and that's the beauty, I guess, you know, Nick, when, when you transfer a horse from a hurdle to a fence, you know, it's a different game. And I, like, yeah. Footpad, I remember Footpad, I think that he finished fourth in the Supreme back in the day. And then, you know, his novice chasing career was just impeccable. Yeah. He, he was a different horse over a well. fence than he was as a hurdler. And Brave Man's game might be something similar. Yeah, it might well be. Um, I think all the, the right signs were there. It's, you know, when the the TV companies put together like a fence hop, jump to jump, and as at the races, Sky Sports Racing did, you, you kind of, that's the kind of thing you want to see. Um, sounds as though the rising stars at Wincanton on Paul Nichols' doorstep is going to be next, and he's won it with, you know, Seymour Business and Sylvania Conti, et cetera. Yeah. The quote that I thought would get social media a lit, but I didn't see it, was um, Paul Nichols saying, the smile on Harry Cobden's face was like when Ruby Rogue caught O'Star for the first wow. time. Thought, oh, wow, wow, really? Oh, I didn't hear that. Nice. I didn't hear that. That's, that is a big statement. Wow. I think I, I, think I read that. I didn't dream it. I'm well, listen. Even yeah, if it's not, even if it's not true, <laughs> even if it's not true, we're we're, we're saying it's true. Sounds it's true. Good. Now, well, 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 well it's not from out of the blue either. Story. 
Well, you remember yeah. the early last season he made a he made a comparison to Dead Man with Braveman's game. That's yeah. right. I'm, there, yeah. I'm nearly sure. I'm, <laughs> I recall yeah, it correctly. Yeah. I think I am. But yeah. I think he said he regretted yeah. that, or, or or feels like Denman didn't show you anything at home, and then he said something like, you know, look at the end of their camp, at the end of their careers, um, judge them on that. But obviously, Brave Man's game's got a, a little way to go to emulate that fella. But look, this was yeah, the right well, stuff. Well, so, well, unf- unfortunately, I think trainers always regret saying things like this because well, such is yeah. the nature of, of racing's You're following. Not if, if there's any sort of a blip at all, it's getting shoved back down your throat, you know. Um, yeah. So it's it's gas because as we talk about all the time in the podcast, we want trainers to tell us what they're thinking. We want them to be oh, open. Okay. And candid, on that note, on that note, if you don't mind, just on Chepstow, this is this is where and you were down there recently, and I spoke to Paul the other day. Uh, um, I was lucky enough to report for Racing TV at the McCoy's Awards, which was a really good night. Um, everyone was there, by the way. Willie Mullins, Henry de Bromhead, Rachel Blackmore, they all came over, so that was great. But I remember being at Kempton uh, Bank Holiday weekend, beginning of May, and just at the sort of end of the last season, beginning of this one, and there was a horse called Paso Doble that won. And Paul Nichols said on that day, Paso like Doble, five months ago, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said he said he's going to go for the Persian War, and I was like, all right, fair enough, five and a half months on. And I know he didn't win the Persian War, but sure enough, there he is, bang there. And I thought, you know, that's why you are the multiple champion trainer, because it's this whirrings and the mechanics that are just thinking, right, we've done this, what's the next step, even if it is five months away. It was quite impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, I'd love Brayman's game to go on and, and just be a right good thing as well. And look, depends what comes from Ireland as well, but th- like the Arkle is one of my favourite races. Um, just uh, the quality over the years, but I'd love to have a right good competitive Arkle at Cheltenham this year. I'm not going to talk too much about Cheltenham or Mosway yet, but anyway, look, he looks the real deal and it's great for Paul you to have a horse like that. <laughs> Um, what about um, and look uh, Triumph Hurdle Horses are you know as four year olds go it's a long way it's an even longer way than it is for the Arkle than to Triumph Hurdle but as, as regards to what Magistrato did uh, at the weekend Nick I mean um, what did you make of his performance he's 25 now for the Triumph but um, yeah, what did you like make of what he did early marker and maybe you'd be thinking sort of Cheltenham November meeting or maybe even if the ground I don't know what the situation is Kevin no more because he's spoken to Paul about the horse but maybe Chepstow again over Christmas for that grade one race but um, th- this is a very tried and tested route for Paul Nichols trained juvenile hurdlers at this stage I think he's won about seven or certainly five or six runnings of the last ten um, right. yeah had um, had one serious threat it would seem and certainly dispatched that one in good style I have to say I've been all about the flat this weekend I have watched the replay back and read a couple of things yeah. but aside from that I mean he looks a blank canvas going forward Ken mm. might know more but um yeah, that was that was the right kind of thing you'd want to see, and we are talking about horses at the very, very embryonic stage and something to dream about. But um, I'm not sure how much you know horses like Dolos and Far West. I think have won it for Paul Nichols. Hell Red maybe won it um, in recent years as well. So maybe a mixed record as to what we're going to get. But it's a springboard to something else for them, and um, he looked quite talented. Uh, Paul Nichols' uh, preview is on all the Betfair social channels. Just go and look it up. If you didn't see it last weekend, it's still there and it's well worth a look ahead of the national season. His piece with Kevin, uh, very informative and uh, talks about all the horses of note in the stable. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'll tell you what, if you watch it on YouTube, the lads have, have time-stamped it beautifully so you can go along the, the bar there and it'll tell you what horse he's talking about uh, without having to kind of flick through and looking for him. So if you want to if you want Brilliant. to dig out Magistrato, you go to, for example, uh, 44 minutes, 50 seconds and you'll have Magistrato. Lovely. There you I go. I'll tell you what, Kev, i tell you what. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the attention to detail that we absolutely they, they do. They do a good job, these lads, in fairness. Yeah. We give them plenty of how stick, many, but they do a good job. Yeah. How many horses <laughs> do. do you think you actually talked about there? 
Kev, I've got to get through it. But I mean, you know, if you're oh, talking God, about juvenile herders at 20, 44 minutes, 20 yards, possibly, a lot. yeah, yeah. Yeah, was there 20 yeah, yards? Well. Maybe a little bit less, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, lads. Um, that's racing for the weekend done. So Friday morning, uh, we have a little WhatsApp group here where we all stay in touch and we send each other really funny jokes and we tell each other we love each other all the time. This is a bit of comments. It's, it's great for the morale and all that. But on Friday morning on our WhatsApp group, um, we got word that uh, there was an issue concerning Ushi Murphy um, that he might be in a spot of trouble. Um, it did turn out to be so. Um, Kevin, you were in Newmarket for the weekend, and I know you've spoken to this on TV, but could you just give, for people who aren't aware or maybe don't have all the details, what happened Friday morning uh, with Oshin and, um, I guess, yeah, it, the case around him for Friday morning? Um, well, sure, lucky Oshin turned up to the races on Friday. Um, the BHA testers came in. They tested Oshin. It's not clear how many others they tested. They may not have tested anyone else. Um, if you want to listen to yeah. speculation, etc., and um, and he failed the breathalyzer, and we don't know exactly what reading he gave, but but Oshin came out himself and in, in uh, you know I suppose quite cleverly got ahead of the story and said that he he um, would have been okay to drive um the, the in terms of the differences of the limits there um the limit for race riding in the UK is um 20 mg per per 100 milliliters of right. breath and it's 35 to drive um, okay. So there is there is a gap there, but it's it's completely irrelevant because uh, we're not driving cars here; we're riding race horses. Um, so he's failed the breathalyzer and has been stood down. Um, there will be a hearing, um, and but when one when one familiarizes themselves with the penalty structures and the various regulations, it seems um, pretty certain that he will get a caution for this. Um, Manny will recall that Oshin did fail a breathalyzer uh, prior to riding at Salisbury um, just over two years ago. Um, again, he was stood down and got a caution. Um, and a little bit like a driver's license, the, the way the system works is that if you have a, a lower level breathalyzer failure, there a, a two-year period starts from that. Um, and if you get to the end of that two years without another transgression, your your record is wiped as such. And that's what had happened here. His record had been wiped as of last June. Um, so he, he he's getting another caution. Um, whereas if the, the second offence had come within the two year um the two year period um he would have been looking at seven to twenty one days um uh, with an entry point of ten days that's for two lower level transgressions right can can I ask you why did you say the level of alcohol is irrelevant as in it's thirty five milligrams to uh is the limit to drive a car it's twenty mgs to ride a racehorse why is it irrelevant what his level well irre- irrelevant in the context of failing a test to ride racehorses it, it doesn't matter you know that your your right. license to ride racehorses the limit is twenty it doesn't matter um okay. you know if if it if it's under thirty four well it does matter in terms of the 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 harshness of the penalty because in ter- what what quantifies as a, as an upper level transgression is um 39 milligrams or over that's an upper mm. level transgression and if you if you got hit with one of them um you're going to your your entry point is 40 days okay you know so it's okay. which seems a giant leap to me um mm. you know if, if if a jockey went in and blew a 38 first offence they'd get a caution if they blew a 39 
the, the entry point would be 40 days. You know, that's, mm. a, that's a big, big leap, yeah. which kind of struck me when I was looking at this. Um, but but look, there's, there's there's more to this as well, Hugh, because look, there's been an awful lot of, of sympathy and understanding for, for Oshina, as there was with his first transgression, I suppose, as there was after his, his um, failing a test for, for metabolites of cocaine. Um, but, you know, it has to be said, you know, people have been on social media, you know, drawing attention to that, mm. oh, he would have been okay to drive, you know, oh, these lads starved themselves, you know, alcohol might be slower to leave their systems. The reality is that it's actually, like this, the 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 breathalyzer limit for jockeys hasn't proven to be a difficult thing for jockeys to, to adhere to. You know, I went digging for the numbers there. In the last 10 years, there's been 15,000 breathalyzer tests on British race courses and only 16 failures. You know, that's mm. a tiny, tiny failure rate. Jockeys are not having problems um, adhering to this. Um, but Oshin has now failed twice in a, in a little over two years. Um, and, that, you know, that, that has to raise questions, surely, doesn't it? What questions, though? I, 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 look, I... Yeah, absolutely. And, like, you know... <sighs> It's a very subjective thing here, right? And I, like we have to be careful, I guess, what we're going to say and how we're going to say it here. Um, but Nick, I, like it does lead to questions, right? And I, Kevin spoke very well on TV on Friday, uh, dealing with this subject. Um, I guess the pushback from people who are defending Ushi Mur Murphy is that, all right, as as Kevin alluded to there, like. What was the level of alcohol? You know, he he was perfectly fine to ride a horse. He could drive a car. What's the big deal here? What's your view on this? Before we kind of trash it between ourselves, just so I can understand where you're coming from. Mm, enjoyed actually. I have to confess, I spoke to Kevin this morning because I've been right. occupied Saturday and Sunday, um, so I haven't actually seen. And I know that quite a bit's been talked about on various media outlets about this, and various different on on the the two Sky satellite channels and lots in the press as well. Um, we're talking about a, ha a lad who, by the way, has packed an awful lot in since that four-timer at Air in 2013 when he was just an 18-year-old and Andrew Balding was keen to collect it to protect his claim. You know, he, he has packed a lot of... Uh, packed a lot into a young life so far. But um, I revisited and had a look this morning that Salisbury uh, incident mid-June. I think it was just after Royal Ascot two years ago. So that's where Kevin's talked about the, the threshold being under two years and that makes it 26 months rather than 24 months. And um, I called up a quote that I, I found in one of the one of the publications there that Asheen said at that time he said I, I don't really go anywhere I live for riding out or at the races in my car on planes on a Sunday maybe to France and Germany so I don't really socialize that much with people and I've I've got the same circle of friends that I've had since I was an apprentice but it's only denial if you admit to it yourself so he said that and now my personal view is I, I don't know if that's changed um but perhaps we're in a scenario where um Yes, there's going to be so many different subjective views on it, and Kevin's talked about the the pounds and ounces. The well, what's your view? What's your view on it? My view is personally that this has been a, a another misdemeanour. We're talking about a guy who's had the three month ban for the testing positive for cocaine, which came through last year. Um, this cannot be a perpetual cycle each year for someone who is at the very very top of their profession, young or not. He will be acutely aware of that and acutely embarrassed by that. Um, Obviously, going back to that quote that I made about the, the denial, et cetera, or, or what he said about the, the socialising, maybe that's changed. And for whatever reason, on Thursday night into Friday, he's let that slip. He's let his standard slip, not for the first time. Um, I'm right. not turning around and saying I've got sympathy, because I don't. 
it shouldn't have happened the night before any ride, let alone a Group One ride for Qatar Racing. His his obviously contracted um, owners. Well, hang on, I, okay, I, Nick, yeah, but, yeah, but but Nick, okay. So what I'm trying to get out here is like, yeah. I mean, do you? I mean, would you would you hold would you hold Oshie Murphy in a different light now because of this? Do you think like, this is unprofessional? The guy is absolutely, you know, he's blacking his card here. He shouldn't have done it. He deserves to be punished. Or do you think I have sympathy for the guy? He's a young kid. He's a professional jockey. He's out had a good time and he made a mistake. Where do you come down on this side of the argument? Because it's 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 kind of one thing or the other. Uh, you know, yeah. that seems to be the reaction. What's what's your own take on it? Well, my my own personal take is that is that he has done wrong again he has done wrong and he will have to receive this caution which will come through at the end of presumably after the title battle is over on Saturday so that won't mm. largely affect that I wouldn't have thought unless anything else uh, was to come from this I don't think um yeah he's, he's had an absolute cock up he deserves to be held accountable for it he's come out and done his public facing thing on Twitter and he spoke on television about it as well but it is now another black mark on on someone's on someone's on someone's cv at a young age by the way but he does have also that responsibility of being the champion jockey and the ambassador of racing that he likes to come across as and and does yeah. a good job at so i think he has made a mistake and when mm. the punishment comes his way then he, he can't really argue it yeah okay well here's my, uh, this, I'll, my I'll, I'll draw view. back to you Kevin. okay my view is the guy made a mistake he's a 26 year old uh who is living uh, in, a, in a hugely pressurised environment, cameras on him everywhere he goes. He's accountable to a lot of people um, and obviously involved with, you know, the, the top end of horse racing and everyone connected to it. He made a mistake. Uh, and Kev, my view is that, uh, fine, take your punishment, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think we should be trying to hang him from the rooftops here. And I know your point as well on Friday was, look, you know, it's, it's not the first time that this has happened and you know you think there might be an issue there with him long term but I, I, I like I was kind of talking about this this morning and what came into my head was Brian Cooper and it's not the same thing really but I, I, I kind of I feel the same way that like you know these are young guys at the height of their profession sometimes they make mistakes or they do things that they shouldn't do but should we be blowing this out of proportion and like you know and, and actually trying to crucify the guy for something that Really, I don't think it's that big a deal if you kind of drill down to it. That's my view, Kev. Well, well, look, number one, Hugh, I don't think anyone's trying to crucify him. I think there's a lot of concern there and some people are expressing it in different ways than others, you know, because, because there's been a lot of, you know, and we all know mental health of jockeys has never been in, in finer focus than it is now. There's been a lot of, of, of attempts to understand, um, to sympathise, um, to go kid gloves about the whole thing. Um, but... Hugh, you, you said you, you you said you feel the way about it that you do there now. If this happened again in six months, would you take the same view? If it happened for a fourth time a year later, would you take the same view? At, at what point does a tougher love approach surely you know become the clear way that this has to go? Because right, well, okay, all the, well, well, okay. all, the, all the sympathy and understanding, it's not working, Hugh. It's okay, but Kev, Kev, he did, Kev, Kev, he didn't turn up at the race course drunk, right? He didn't turn up at the race course. Hold, hold drunk, on, you. Right? Well, I, I know. I'll, I'll tell you something very quick there because I went down a bit of a rabbit hole with this about this whole uh, drink driving limit rubbish, right? Well, do you know? I didn't know this. The drink drive limit in England is by far the highest in Europe. He would have been over the limit in every other country. I know England isn't in Europe, but bear with me. He would have been over the limit almost certainly in every other country in Europe. 
Okay, but when you say five, okay, it's, so it's, if you 30, have it's, one, 30, it's thirty-five in the UK, it's right. twenty-two in Ireland, it's lower in other countries. If, if okay, you, so you know what twenty-two? Funny enough, if you're a professional driver in Ireland, you know lorry, bus, taxi, the limit is nine. Nine. Right. So, so, okay. You know, if so, you have, so if you have, context. if you have one pint in an Irish bar and get into your car and drive, you are over the limit. One pint. Yes, but that, that's if one you pint. drink the pint and you get straight into your car. This isn't what. This isn't one p.m. the following afternoon. That's mm. what we're dealing with here. This was. This wasn't a case of one drink before he got breathalysed. This is one p.m. So when when, when was the test done? When was the test done um, uh, on Friday? Right, was it done first thing some, in the morning? Sometime sometime afternoon on Friday when he got to the track at him. Afternoon, right? Okay. No, sometime right, okay. in uh, after after noon. We'll say twelve yeah, p.m. Okay. onwards. Right. You know. So okay. that's 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 the context here, Hugh. And, and look yeah. at. Well, I, and I'm he not trying have done to prove. It. I'm, should, of course, he shouldn't have done it. The limits are there for a reason, like that, and there's a reason why the limit for for jo for jockeys is a little bit lower than it is for the driving limit in the UK because it, it's an inherently dangerous pursuit. And if heaven forbid there was a serious accident resulting from from careless or dangerous riding, and the offending jockey went in was breathalysed and was over the limit, what you know, where where do we end up then? You know, that's taking it to an extreme, but that's why the rules are in place and that's why it's important that jockeys comply. And as mentioned, the, the compliance with this is excellent. And you've talked about him, him being a young man, you know, under mm. high pressure. The weighing room yeah. is full of younger men than him, you know, in, sure. in comparatively, you know, comparatively high pressure situations. You know, many of them with an awful lot less to lose than Oshin Murphy. And this isn't alcohol isn't really an issue in terms of turning up at the track over the limit. You know, in Ireland, there's been over 8000 breathalyzer tests in the last 10 years. Not a single, not a single failure. You know, this isn't an issue for the vast, vast majority, but it's seeming it, it's twice been an issue for Oshin Murphy now. So I'm not saying all this to crucify him. I'm saying no. I want this story to have a happy ending. You that's know, and, and, and that's, if, if, that's if the, the people around him are going to say, oh, it's OK, Oshin, you just got unlucky. You know, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. I don't think that's going to help. I don't think that's going to help. I think people around him need to be getting him in a headlock and saying, hey, buddy, you have the world at your feet here. You need to you need to tighten yourself up here. And whatever, um, whatever is driving the issue, if, it, if it's just recklessness, if there's something deeper going on, that's that's surely the job of the people around him and Oshin himself to say, hey, you know, this is going the wrong way. You right. Know, well, three, okay, so, three failures of different sorts in three years is is not good enough by surely by anyone's standards. And, but, and we well, want this story to have a happy ending. We want to be seeing Oshin Murphy riding Group Ones when he's fifty years of age plus. You know, this this is something that needs to be got a hold of. Surely. Yeah, Kev, three failures in three years. I understand what you're saying. Look, and he shouldn't have done it, and he's going but, to be punished for it, and I totally get that. Three failures in three years for a guy who rides is every un, is single unpre day. It's unprecedented, you. That's unprecedented. There's no one that has had more failures than that. And well, you, you can you can you can pick out some fellas that had that had some, <laughs> you know well well documented it, major <laughs> issues, <laughs> but I, I certainly can't recall three failures of this sort in a three-year period for, from anyone, you know. So we're we're not we're not singling him out for because he because he's Oshie Murphy. We're singling him out based on the results, you know. And, yeah, and, and that, hiding, that, trying to hide from that and minimize it, I don't think that helps. Yeah, and I just want to say that the, the, com the concept of crucifixion, no way is that what we was trying to do. And, and by the way, the, the reason I brought up that quote from two years ago is just to try and provide some context as to 
the life of outside of racing. Yeah. And by the way, it doesn't sound like there is that much of a life because of the amount that he rides and rides out and does various duties, etc. of Oshin Murphy. Um, this, as Kev said, it isn't, it isn't the first time it's happened. Hopefully it will be the last time. And I think that's the way that we're going with this and the hope, the expectation that this is something that's going to be put in the past now. Well, here's the thing, very very, qu very quickly on this as well, because when I was looking through the penalty structure for breathalyzer failures, this will very much have to be, Oshin's going to have to rein this in very quickly for one very clear reason, right? Because there, if you look at the penalty structure, when you go down to third offence, within a three-year period, it yeah. doesn't matter if it's upper or lower, if you mm. fail a breathalyzer for a third time in three years, the ban is 60 to 180 days with an entry point of 90 days. So if Oshin fails a breathalyzer of any sort between now and June, he's looking at three months. You know, if that doesn't concentrate the mind, you know, nothing will. And again, mm. that penalty structure doesn't necessarily sit well with me that you can get two cautions and the third time you do the, you do the same thing again a third time and you get 90 days. I don't know if that's appropriate, but that's the rule as it's written. And that's the, the very clear reality of where Oshin is right now, having, having had two failures within three years. Mm. Okay. So what's going to happen here, just very briefly before we finish on? So he's obviously, like, what's the disciplinary procedure here for, for Oshin after this? It'll be, a, it'll be a fast track referral. He'll get a caution. Uh, by the time anyone listens to this, this could be well out of date because William Bewitt's got very, very good book of rides. Just look at the prices of them this afternoon, Monday afternoon. Before mm. Asheen Murphy even gets to the track later on, um, the gap six, it could be a hell of a lot less than that by the time Asheen Murphy gets on a horse in a race next. Yeah, and it's one to three for the jockeys. Championship one to three, Ocean Murphy nine to four, William Buick. If you're uh, so inclined, it's up on the Betfair website. Look, I, I listen. I, Kev, I, I just to reiterate here. I thought you spoke really well on Friday on the TV, and you, particularly about your point that this guy needs an arm around his shoulder. And I do think that you know Ocean would benefit from somebody who just to say, look, you know. You can't do this, like, you know, and, and like, if you do this again, you're in serious trouble. And just a kind of a guidance there. But I guess my sympathy is he's a young guy. He makes mistakes, as we all do. And I just would hope that there's a bit of context put into this and the people. And like, as you said, like, there's nobody asking for to be crucified here. But I just I, I, I would hope that people kind of just take a, a deep breath here and say, look, he's a young guy. He's Irish as well. <laughs> And he makes mistakes. He will get punished for it, but um, I hope the common sense prevails of all this. And I hope that he yeah, also I, is okay for it all, you know? Yeah, of course. And look, the other side of it, too, is you can't really have a view that I kind of take in this type of thing without coming across as holier than thou. And like, none of us are coming from a position of being no. a saint, obviously. No, no. You know, I know that. This, this, my, my, my views are coming from a place of wanting the best for the lad, you know, not just, his not just his jockey yeah. career, but, but his life. Right, okay, listener questions, and thanks to everybody who sent them in. Obviously, there's a lot, a lot on uh, Oshie Murphy, so um, I think we dealt with it in pretty much uh, you know, a lot of detail there. So thanks to everyone. Um, the Inside Rail said, how can racing as a sport deal with drugs and alcohol amongst jockeys? Is enough being done to help them if they have a problem? Um, okay, Joe Lug says, please discuss the fact that every race at Newmarket this Saturday was off five to 15 minutes late. Shambolic. Kev, was it shambolic for you and your ITV production yeah. 
Asher, look, it's just frustrating, you know, and you, you'd like to think the BHA would kind of hold tracks to more account than this. And we know sometimes there are instances that, that, that you know, are hard to avoid, you know, horses pulling shoes, etc. But but a lot of the time, it just seems everyone's very lackadaisical. We've seen it at other yeah. tracks, you know, Newbury, Ascot, um, in the past, you know, it just, it, it's very frustrating, especially for the TV stations, the specialist TV stations, who in many yep. cases have a lot of racing to show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just, it, there should be higher standards there you know and if you if you need bigger gaps because of the the, the layout of your track or whatever you know put them in place just you know because it's, mm. it's it's it shouldn't be an issue bar something really unexpected happens but it's yeah. it continues to be at certain tracks yeah totally agree and um, paddy h says why does Lotonomy never come to england i've heard the trainers say he wants to but the owner's unwilling big shame nick do you know anything about this Lotonomy, yeah, why yeah, yeah. Not come can i to just england? backtrack ever so slightly on that timing yeah. thing look yeah. friday was frustrating all right because the phillies mile the phillies mile i think a philly was being treated uh, replated i'm not sure exactly what happened mm. but that caused a concertina and by the time they go down all the way from the mile for Ro old roly cup on friday the delay was massive and, and then by the time they got to the last race which was scheduled to be 440 it went off at 456 now yeah. that's not that's not what we want okay the bha no. obviously are I'm sure they've got someone employed that's watching over and in contact with the tracks, but then just look at the scheduling. And I know I obviously work for racing TV. Um, so as a consequence, we get flack for it and I get that, but you, you know, we've got the dedicated track feeds, etc. but tomorrow Huntingdon 450, right? The racing TV.com handicap hurdle three miles and one, which is going to take mm. what six and a bit minutes or whatever to run before a 455 at Leicester, which is yeah. a flat race. Crazy. You don't have to be a genius to go. They ain't going to be fitting in. Mm five minutes in that five minute slot, even if they go off at 4.50 on the dot, you know, it's yeah, going to erode into 4.55. Anyway, sorry. Um, no, you're all right. Yeah, L'autonomy. 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 Pourquoi il n'est pas allé à l'Angleterre? C'est putain, qu'est-ce qu'il fasse? What's going on? I think we should move the arc so that she can run in it. Um, no, 14. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right the yeah. Four, yeah, look, she's what, what, 14 greatest successes now. She's obviously a, a native star in France, and Francois Nicole, the trainer, yeah. he, he, he said he wants to bring her to Britain. She's only six. Bring her. Um, there were opportunities for her at the Cheltenham Festival, which is very close, obviously just around the corner, given the fact that everyone's yeah. talking about it. Um, I think he said it's the regret of the horse or the regret of, that he's got of the horse that the owner is not that enchanted by the idea of coming over. Right. Well, maybe he just Why doesn't like the English, Nick. You know what I mean? Maybe he doesn't like Boris Johnson and the Tories and what they're doing and Brexit and all that kind of stuff. Paddy, we, <laughs> je ne sais pas, Paddy, je ne sais pas pourquoi. We don't know why. We don't know what's going on. But, you know, we'll just stick it down <laughs> to Boris Johnson and leave it with that one. But hopefully come we'll on, see Francois, it there come, over, uh, come over to Ireland and take on some good horses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Burning to Birdie says, how long before Brave Man's Game gets found out before or after the Irish novices smash him up at Sheldon? <laughs> Bertie, I tell you what, Bob Ollinger and Brave Man's Game over fences. I know where my mind is going and it's on Henry de Bromhead's horse. Kieran says, what's worse sitting on a dead... Oh, listen, Kieran. All right, okay. I, I, I don't know what you can, we can read this. Kieran, um, the answer is uh, both of them are absolutely brutal. So uh, does that answer your question for you? Dave Carr says, is Sir Lamarack going hurling for Joseph this season? Thanks, Kev. Is Sir Lamarack going hurling? No, he's going to Australia. Full time. Okay. One-way ticket. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good stuff. Um, for Vernon as well on the Ocean Mercy, should he be prevented from winning the champion jockey title? If not, what bank can he expect? Well, obviously not. I mean, look, um, he won't be prevented from winning. If he goes and wins the most around races, that's uh, the jockey's mm -hmm. title in his hands and nothing to do with what happened on Friday. Uh, I'd love to know why top jockeys don't have to ride out for a place or best finish when those below your top level get hammered uh, with for the same thing. So uh, for Sean here... Um, 
Yeah, I don't we know, need I some know. examples there. I think. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of betting shop parlance that the likes of Frankie wouldn't be overly doesn't always isn't always yeah. overly um, exuberant in riding out for places. But um, look, that's yeah. the steward's job. If they're not doing I their job, that's a, that's a stewarding issue. Yeah, 100%. Kieran Ahern says, what can be done to entice national hunt trainers from taking each other on away from Cheltenham? Kieran, They do, don't they? Oh, my... No, they well, don't. Like, Are you joking? They duck and dive and run around. Well, yeah, you say that, but, you know, I'm just going to give a couple... Ex- i give an example of a couple of years ago. Defi de Soy v. Lost in translation. It was round three in a row by the time they got to the Cheltenham. That's... Festival. Nick, that's... One, one, I, this, that's an this example is, of it does happen. Yeah. There are opportunities for it to happen. And by the time they get to the Cheltenham Festival, they get whitewashed by the Irish anyway. <laughs> well, Paul Nichols says he hopes Bob Ollinger doesn't come over to take them on. It's just the beginning of yeah, trainers giving the horses soft touches. Duvan and Min and whatever without you. Yeah. That's just, isn't that just yeah. a bit of trainer hyperbole? Isn't that just what it is? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, well, Kev, it's a bugbear of yours, really, isn't it? That, that we don't like. There's yeah, too many options for trainers to avoid. Is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think we should be we should be cutting the number of grade ones in half, yeah. and then probably keep going and cut some more off, and we, we might get yeah. a little bit more. Um, we might get a little bit more satisfactory conclusions through the season, but then you have situations like. Uh, um, what was it, Al Dior and surname and poor Nicky Henderson still hasn't got over it. So you know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's it's a difficult thing when you're. Yeah, but then we said there weren't enough runners in the race. Trainers. No, yeah. Yeah. three in that race. Yeah. <laughs> the best two horses in England matched up against each other, and, and it was the last before Christmas. One, the last one from 50p, 50p each way on Twitter. Uh, with a lot of complaining uh, from serious bettors online, do people underestimate how many casual punters there are? People having a few quid in every race just to make an afternoon of it. Um, what do you think of that? I, yeah, well, I think majority of people oh, would, would just have it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the population of casual punters is far, far bigger than the very noisy minority of serious yeah. punters on Twitter and the likes. Exactly, um, exactly. Okay, lads, thank you for all the questions that came in. Uh, very much appreciated to Kevin and to Nick as well. Uh, tune into Racing Only Better on Friday this weekend. I'll have a 20-timer short price, f- whatever you want to call it. It's, lads, I'm on a roll here is what I'm saying. The type of bet that Tony Calvin absolutely hates. And I have some news for you guys, for weighed-in listeners and for Racing Only Better. Is Tony Calvin is back with us this Friday. We're absolutely delighted. I text Tony. I text Tony. I text Gumball himself, Nugget himself, and I said, Hey pal, you're back next Friday. Just heard magic. Do you know what he replied? Ginger wanker. That's what he said. <laughs> so, so obviously, obviously, it's obviously Tony. Nothing has changed with Tony Calvin. He is still the same beautiful man as he always was. TC, we can't wait to have you back, even if you don't want to stomach the thought of us. Racing only better on Friday. Make sure you tune in. Thanks for your time. Talk to you soon. And thank you very much to Nick Lightfoot. Uh, thank you. Listen, I was going to say anyway, look, I managed to go all the way through the last episode. Thanks very much for having me for what was meant to be a few months. It's turned out to be about five. But if Listen. Maid doesn't win the QE2 on Saturday, I'm not coming yeah. back next next Monday. But if he does, if he yeah. does, mark my words on this, I'm having a look to see if Baid is a unisex name because my firstborn is going to be Baid Lightfoot. Come on! And, Nick, and, and on that bombshell, on that bombshell, Nick, I have to tell you, the reason I'm sympathetic to Ocean Murphy is I turn up for work drunk on a regular basis so you will be stepping in for me uh, more times than you can imagine. I'm joking. I'm joking. Nick, thanks so much, my man. Cheers. Talk to you soon, guys.